Blog Talk Radio. to the host with the most, the venerable Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, Larry? I'm fine. I'm well fortified with a peach milkshake from Chick-fil-A, so I'm I'm in good shape, man. I'm in good shape. Oh, tonight. man. Finally sponsors. We've been waiting for this forever, Larry. So. I wish, man, but I got yeah. – hey, if you haven't tried one, they, they are actually – well, I don't know if you can get them down there in Florida, but they actually put real peaches in these things. Real peaches. Oh. Get, them, get them while you can, folks. um, A ridiculous aside, growing up in Hawaii, um, the McDonald's in Hawaii would cater to sort of the Hawaii palate. So you would have things like ramen noodles, uh, spam as a breakfast meat choice. And whenever whenever mangoes were in season, they would use real mangoes in everything, the shakes and everything. It was pretty awesome. So I, I heard your reaction to spam. It's just it's a Hawaii thing, man. What can I say? What can I say? Yeah, what can you say about that? <laughs> so, uh it's been another another interesting week in Georgia wrestling and I'm you know, I'm sure we're gonna get into some of that with Mr. Palmer and maybe somewhere else along the way. And I know you've got you you've got a video coming out that's gonna talk about the changeover at uh GPW. So folks can look out for that one, right? Oh yeah, it's gonna be a spiking the football and of course the first spiking the football was about stranglehold, which is still the most viewed video I've ever done. It really kind of put the website on, I mean, on the YouTube channel on fire. And from then on, I got like picked up a ton of subscribers and now the videos get views in the hundreds, not the tens. (laughs) And so this one's going to be even bigger than that one, I assure you. I've been doing a lot of background research in it so I can be accurate on things, but uh, I'm going to either do that late tonight or tomorrow morning early, so look for it very soon. Excellent. Excellent. So um, So, I've had something on my mind lately. Matt Griffin and I have gone back and forth about this a number of times now. It's sort of a running joke between us about intergender wrestling. And, I, you know, obviously this is becoming a lot more common and in some quarters the rage to have intergender matches and intergen and female champions of male, you have male belts and so forth. Um, I've got some definite opinions on this, but I'm kind of curious about yours as well. 
Well, before I commit to my opinion, I'm curious, okay. out of you and Matt Griffin, I assume you have opposing views, you and Matt Griffin? Well, so the basis, the basic of is he, he doesn't partic- – he's not particularly fond of booking women, period, but that's for other reasons. That's because he's had a lot – he's had – let's say he's had difficulty with follow-through with bookings from women. But my more thing is that I don't have a problem with men wrestling women – um, uh, you know, I saw the you know first intergender matches I saw go back to Nashville with with a guy named Farron Fox, who was the intergender champion up there, and then that was like kind of before its time because that would be back what in the '90s he was doing yeah. that up there. Um, but the, the thing with me is like I don't care if it doesn't bother me to have men versus women. What bothers me is the um, lack of credibility of small women beating much larger men. It's just not credible. And much less putting a title on a woman, a man's title as like, not to pick on Pro South, but Pro South has their title on the woman wrestler Taylor Ray, who, I don't know, from seeing her Saturday night, maybe she's five foot four, um, and not big muscular person, and she's their overall champion. It seems to me that just it's, uh, it's, your titles it, to do that. It is okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cite two examples. One that happened in Georgia, and then one that happened recently. The famous you know Tessa Blanchard against Sammy Callahan thing. Yeah. Okay. So at in the Perks they booked Awesome Kong, and I believe she wrestled Nigel Sherrod. Is that right? I think. And right. and I didn't know who Nigel was back then. And I watched that match and I totally bought it, right? Like I I was cool with it. And like you said, it it goes under your auspices, which is like awesome. Kong is a huge lady. In fact, I thought at one point that TNA was going to make the move towards having awesome Kong against Kurt Angle, which I would have been interested in watching to see what's the story that they would tell with that one. Because Kurt Angle, obviously, Maybe isn't as big as Awesome Kong, but he's in a sort of different level of physicality. So it would have taken a little bit of stretching, but Kurt Angle was apparently willing to do it. I'm curious what they would have done. Now, I watched the whole Tessa Blanchard versus Sammy Callahan thing, and it just proves your point, Larry, because they did everything as right as you could do it. I mean, down to the choices of when to sell, how to sell, without letting the match drag. So, you know, there's only so much Tessa Blanchard can sell before she has to do something. But they really seem to hit all the right beats, and I still didn't buy a, a, a second of it. I mean, they did it as well as you can do it. And from a craftsman standpoint, it was flawless. But it never reached the level. And I'm as open to stuff in wrestling as maybe anybody you're going to find. Right, I booked on the same card Pandora versus Shane Marks and mm-hmm. Aisha versus Mason when they were the mm-hmm. like Empire and PCW champions, respectively. I set it up the masquerade show before, and then we paid it off at the next masquerade show. I didn't have the women win either one, and we had billed Pandora as the toughest woman in wrestling, the pound for pound toughest woman in wrestling, the woman of steel, all that stuff. And I still didn't feel, and she thought that she should win it. Of course, all wrestlers think they should win it. But 
call me old fashioned. I was like, I, I just don't think it's just, it would demean the title. It would honestly demean your winning of it. I think Tessa Blanchard, if she had won that title, I don't think it would have done what they thought it would have done, which is this will put us on the map. Aren't we progressive? I, I don't think that you're progressive by having, especially in the kind of style. The problem is here, here's, I'll just, sorry, I'll boil it down to this. Because every match is laid out and the story is always 50, 50 booking. I don't think you can do it that way. You would have to be creative. And I'm sorry, I don't think people are creative enough to work a story where you're taking care of all of that when it's a small woman and a guy. So uh, here, do I think it can, of... I think it can be done. I do think it can be done. I just don't think guys people know how to lay out a match to tell a story where it's both equal parts engaging and doesn't burst your suspension of disbelief watching it. Right. That's my right. take. Now, now I saw uh not too long ago a match that that achieved that by freelance wrestling. What they did is they had they put their belt on Kylie Ray, their male their world championship. Okay. Um be that as it may, the match they did then was Kylie Ray versus Robert Anthony, who's a great wrestler, um, who was, you know, under WWE contract one time, and his goofy Frank the Clown manager, except Rob Anthony had one hand tied behind his back. And that they could make work because the manager was a goof, and Anthony couldn't really be, you know, devastating with one with one hand. So they were able to pull it off with that kind of a handicap and make it and make it work. But but that's they had to do that kind of a handicap thing. I would, could have never bought Robert Anthony against Kylie Ray straight up. No way. And here's the question: If once you tie his hand behind his back, is it is it does the match do what you want it to do? That's the, like because what you're looking for is we're competing. And is it a competition if one person literally has an arm tied behind their back? I would say no. I think that's why in the past how wrestling has made money with intergender things where it didn't, and this is in the age of kayfabe, or at least where most people were still honoring kayfabe, is the female, like, wrestling personality, not even necessarily a wrestler, against the male manager. There's a number of examples where that worked and drew great money. And I think it was very smart business, you know, where it was, it's baby doll against Jim Cornette, right? Mm -hmm. It's that kind of thing. And I just think it's more of an engagement because here's the thing. It's like tag team wrestling. Like we forget that tag team wrestling was a gimmick match, right? It was an attraction. It was a gimmick. And, intergender wrestling i think this push is really what's behind it is people want to make it where it is like any other match because it's not acknowledging what it is which is a gimmick match and a, an a, attraction right which is why it works if it's jim Cornette well, against baby doll you know like it works but it doesn't really work if you just take female wrestler male wrestler they're equals in the ring go and they're trading holds and they're trading moves like the Tessa Blanchard thing. Like she kept catching him in these submissions, but 
you could literally switch her out with one of the male wrestlers on the roster and the match would look no different. That was my main beef with it was there was nothing about this that spoke to the story of I'm weaker in the upper body than he is, but perhaps I have strength that he does not. They didn't tell that story. They just did a 50, 50 match that he would do with a guy. Except they just substitute Tessa Blanchard in with it. And what has he got? 50, 60 pound, more than that, weight advantage over her? Yeah. Easy, right? I mean, he's got to have that much. So tell me this. You're going to put Ronda Rousey in a UFC match with a man 60 pounds heavier, and that's going to be competitive? It's it's ridiculous. No, it, it is. Unless but I could book it, Larry. Like here's here's what I do. <laughs> I, I, I think if, if if Ronda in a pro wrestling match with a, a larger wrestler, um, but it it starts with the promotion of it, and it's Ronda just going like, but all I got to do, like you just you just have to do it like you would any other attraction, right? Whenever you do an underdog story, right? Because you can make the same argument that it's ridiculous that Rey Mysterio is wrestling anybody. Like, when I saw yeah, Dean Ambrose true. against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, it was fucking true. ridiculous. It true. looked ridiculous. The story was ridiculous. Brock Lesnar having to sell a, a punch from Dean Ambrose looked stupid. I think the way you sell these things is, and it's strangely enough, I got this idea from Brawl, that, like, pro wrestling improv show we used yes. to do. Yes, because, I was because, I a brawl show. Yes. Because <laughs> it, 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 it always came down to one of the improvisers would have a match with me. And it was ludicrous, right? That was the, the gimmick of the match was this comedian is going to get murdered by Stephen Platinum. But I always made sure that they promoted it as I know I don't have a chance, but if I can catch him with X. I have a chance, right? So we would give uh-huh. them the move or, you know, like the one guy, the gimmick was his hand was completely replaced with like a pit bull's ligament or whatever the ridiculous thing is. So he had this strong <laughs> right hand, right? We would always give them something. And then the story became, I'm going to take this beating, but if I can just slap the claw on Steve, I have a chance. And we would just toy with that idea and, of course, I would play the role of my arrogance would be the great equalizer, right? I know you don't have a chance, so I'm not doing my best. And then, of course, the equalizer comes into play. They hit me with the claw. I remember this one match in particular. And the crowd went bonkers. And then, though I got away from the claw, I was now broken down to his level. To, to escape the claw took everything I had, and now we were both on our hands and knees like looking at each other, like we both have given everything we have. Now it's just a test of wills, which we had built up in promos. Like his thing was just like, I know if I can just get it down to a willpower contest. And then I had him rip off a Nick Bockwinkle line, which went over like gangbusters in front of people who never heard it before. He was like, are you going to have enough? Can you scrape up enough underneath your fingernails to pull you across the finish line before I get there? I don't think you can, Stephen Platinum. And then so we broke it down. And you know what we did, Larry? We exchanged forearms like you've seen five million times. And uh-huh. in front of a crowd that had never seen it before with that story, they lost their mind. <laughs> they thought it was the most. 
look at them just going toe-to-toe. And, I, you know, I kept telling him, you got to lay into me as hard as you can because you don't know how to throw a forearm. <laughs> so he would. He would just crack me. You could hear my teeth clack every time he hit me. And then I would deliver a worked forearm. And we went back and forth, and he was like, I'll, he's like, I'm sorry because we went back and forth too long. But he was like, I was, I actually believed it. I actually believed I was going toe to toe with you. He was so into it. And I went, that was pretty successful, you know, and he could have won and they would have bought it, but we didn't have him win because we're building up to the next guy kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, that's the rare, like if they had said Tessa Blank, like Ronda Rousey has got the best arm bar, not in women's fighting, in the history of fighting. And I would build that fucking thing up. I would have her trap dudes in that arm bar that were close to her size at first, you know, not in matches, but in different situations where she had to protect somebody or whatever. And then you see it and you slowly get used to the idea of, fuck, Ronda Rousey's arm, you know, her arm bar is devastating. And you have all these guys explain at length. You know, it doesn't matter how big and strong you are, you are. If your elbow's going the wrong way and she has you locked up, she can break anything. And I would show her breaking wood with the fucking arm bar. And I would show her destroying ice with the 12 to 6 o'clock elbow. That's illegal in UFC. I mean, you can hear where I'm going with all of this, right? You just, right. Like, Ronda Rousey's thing would be all of, you know, the arm bar is the most lethal thing that I have. And she goes, and I'm going to do all the stuff that I wasn't allowed to do in UFC, but I can do it here in the WWE. And if you think I can't crack your head open like a melon, you're wrong. And then she cracks, she cracks open a melon with a 12 to 6 elbow. And she starts intimidating the guy. So that becomes the story of she gets it into his head. If I land any of these things, I can cripple you for life. Which is true. Like, I used to teach women how to fight. They choke you, they choke you out, they choke you out, right? It doesn't matter if they smell good when they're doing it. <laughs> right, <laughs> if they right, choke you right. out, they choke you out. And that's the, but that's the only way. And, again, what am I talking about? I'm talking about weeks, if not months, of building this thing up. So, it can, so you create a world where the thing is credible. But just as far as just, okay, on the next Raw, which is how they would do it nowadays because they don't book anymore, Right. Tonight, yeah. special attraction, Ronda you Rousey just, against just, Seth Rollins. What's going to happen? You know, it's just like, oh god, that's terrible. Yeah, this Absolutely. jumping from A to A to H um, kind of booking that we that is so all way all too common now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what that's what we see. But yeah, just a straight up match. No, it's not. It's it's not going to work. I mean, it doesn't work for me. It just doesn't. Larry, I have a question for you before we bring Anthony Henry yeah, on here. Anthony will, I just heard from Anthony. He'll be with us in just a sec, but go ahead. Okay. Well, good that he's not on because I'm going to have you do something. Are you, go, are you going to be at Phoenix City? Yes. Great. Who's winning? Who do you think is going to win? <laughs> what an unfair question. Who do you think is going to win? Well, I, I know who I'd like. I'd, mm. like to, I'd actually like to see Anthony win. But, Ooh, but we're talking about that on the Gunner on the Gunner Miller thing, you know, like yeah. we, as to who's going to win, I really I just can't see the direction. I don't have a clue about how they how they're going to do this. I don't have Why a gut feeling. Why would you like to see gun. Anthony win? I mean, there's a, there's a story there which we could talk about a little bit in terms of his history with SCI that that would make that a credible thing. And I mean, we're you know right away in the first round, he's meeting Joey Lynch, so one of the favorites yeah. got boom right off the bat. 
is, is out of the tournament. Which is, a, so, which is um, I think that's a great booking turn for them because the SCI tournament, like most tournaments, is usually filled with, you know, to put it in sports terms, for number one seeds against number eight seeds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's just like, okay, yeah. these, they're, all the matches are foregone conclusions, except for the ones of the two middle guys who are going to lose to their first seed, right, in the second round. Um, I do like that they're doing that because – and isn't it, like, the first match? I could be wrong about that. But it, when I was looking at the brackets uh, – by the See, way, if I'm you haven't su- seen – yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, you're going to talk about Rob's, Rob's odds. Yeah, I was looking uh, – by the way, if you haven't looked at Rob's odds or Rod's uh, breaking down of the first-round brackets and his <laughs> choice of who's going to be in the final four – uh, do yourself a favor. Get to gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com and check them out. I think they, I think they're really cool, um, really, really great. Especially the, uh, I thought his breakdown of the first round matches was very, very good and very detailed and interesting. So, but what were you going to say, I, Larry? I was just, I'm just assuming that the um, Lynch versus Henry will main event the first night. I could be wrong about that, but that makes that sense. That makes sense. Yeah. To be the main event for the first night, whoever wins. I can't wait. Uh, I'm happy for Anthony Henry. Of course, he's had nothing but a huge few months. I mean, along, along with the the Evolve appearance on the WWE Network. Uh, I mean, I just all kinds of stuff I want to get his take on with AEW. I know he's going to have to be guarded. He's at a point in his career where it really feels like something is going to break for him soon if it hasn't already. Um, but let's I find am out. curious what he has to say. Yes, please. Please, please. The man is joining us now. What's going on, Anthony guys? Henry. Hey, welcome. Thank you for doing this. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Anthony, uh, Stephen Platinum here. So, like, it's it's not a secret. I'm a big fan, and I uh, I'm so happy for you. Uh, you're you're busting your ass, and you're getting things done, and you're getting seen. Well, I I was going to ask Larry this, but I'll ask you this. Like, what? Do you feel like you're on the cusp of something big? Um, like, that's what it feels like to me. It feels like you're on the verge of being on a very short path to getting paid to wrestle for a living. Is that accurate, or is it already happening? Or wh- how would you describe uh, where you are in your career right now? That's always a question that's kind of a it's kind of a weird one for me because, well, okay, so the short answer is uh, yes, I've actually been uh, paying my bills and everything uh, through wrestling for probably uh, two years almost now, something like that. Nice. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, and so, thank you. And so that's that's great in itself. And uh, and that just kind of goes to show you like what you could do on an independent uh, level nowadays, which is fantastic. Yeah. As far as anything beyond that, um, it's kind of hard to say because, like, you know, um, there's so many uh, talented guys and gals, and uh, so many. There's only so many spots. So yes, like a, a lot of things have been going well for me, but it's always hard to say for sure. Like, do I feel like you know something's gonna happen soon? I don't know because it's always yeah. like a weird thing with the with the wrestling business where things just kind of happen all of a sudden. Like for example, the uh, the WWE Network deal. Like we didn't know anything about that until like two weeks <sighs> before it happened. You know, so, um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, at this point, if I was offered some kind of 
uh, I don't know, something. And I, I will yeah. say that there have been some discussion uh, about some bigger things possibly happening for me, uh, which I can't go into complete detail about. But, you know, sure. if it happens, it happens. And, you know, uh, I, at this point, uh, I'd be flabbergasted. And just I'm flabbergasted just to freaking, you know, be where I'm at now. So. Hey, Anthony, I'm curious, you know, now that you are making a living as a wrestler, can you just give us a, uh, an idea of your travel schedule these days? What's it like for you? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, so it, it's, it's a lot different than it was, you know, uh, five, six years ago when I was predominantly yeah. wrestling Georgia and Carolina. Uh, it, it, it's to the point now where, I'm, you know, honestly, I don't really wrestle in Georgia. Uh very often at all, um, and really, really even in the southeast that much anymore. Um, but my travel schedule has gotten pretty crazy, especially with the tag team with uh, Drake. Um, yeah, he's always with me pretty much, and and ninety percent of the bookings that that I take uh, is with the tag team, other than really evolve. Um, but we're all over the place. We, I mean, we regu- regularly are in uh, the Midwest area. Northeast, so I mean, we might be in Chicago. So, like for example, um, I'll just give you an example of last, uh, last this past weekend. Um, so we did, uh, we were in the Midwest. So we did Glory Pro, uh, which was Sunday, and that was uh, in um, right near St. Louis, somewhere in Illinois, like right on the border there, where St. Louis is, I guess. And then um, the night before that, we were in, at Black Label Pro. It was in uh, Crown Point, Indiana. So mm-hmm. um, it took us – we were probably in the car for, I'm sure, over 24 hours. But, I mean, it took us 13 hours just to get to the initial uh, booking. Woo! Four hours. To, yeah. Four hours to get to uh, the second booking. And then an additional, like, 10 hours to get back home from there. Uh, and that's pretty normal now. Sometimes we're lucky enough, you know, to, to fly to some of these places. But honestly, you think it, it sounds like it's a whole lot better to fly. Sometimes, I mean, it's better, but you're still crunched up. You're still yeah, spending hours on travel. So, you know, uh, either way, whether you're in a car or whether you're on a plane, uh, it, it can be a little bit uh, stressful traveling to some of these places. Yeah. I, I got to ask this. I know Larry's dying to ask questions, but as always, I'm cutting him off like the asshole I am. So, uh, Anthony, I got to say, like, talking to you now, there's kind of a level of maturity about you. I, you can tell, like, you know, you're loving your life, Amber, and having a family and that kind of thing. Has that changed your perspective about the wrestling thing? Has it made it more urgent? Um, has it prioritized certain things above other things? Has it changed you? Because, um, I mean, I can just kind of hear it in your voice that you're relaxed, but obviously taking it all very seriously, but you're still, you, there's kind of a relaxed state to when you're talking about this stuff. Has it changed you? Oh, for sure, like 100%. Um, mm. Actually, like, honestly, my the, the, one of the best things that ever happened to me was my wife because um, anybody who talks, who has talked to me uh, in previous years, uh, I had a certain reputation. Not that that's fully gone away or anything, but um, <laughs> I wasn't—I I wasn't always uh, the most um, likable person, based off really just me uh, being isolated and, and being in my own headspace a lot and my yeah. communication skills, just not being there and me not really caring to speak to other people because that was just the way I was. 
Um, but uh, through my wife, she's a very social person. If you've met her, you probably know that. Uh, and uh, she just kind of helped me kind of uh, free myself of these chains of the, you know, just not wanting to be around people and not wanting to me, uh, communicate. And that's helped me so much uh, just in yeah. professional wrestling, obviously, for one. And nobody thinks I'm a dick anymore. At least most people don't because I actually go out of my way and speak to everybody. Um, and then to networking and things like that, actually being able to go up to uh, people and meet them and be friendly with them and possibly get bookings out of that that way. Um, so, yeah, like meeting my wife is one of the best things that ever happened to me uh, personally and professionally. And um, to answer your question, uh, yes, also as far as from a perspective of uh, important uh you know, if I if I had a, a tier, you know, that or I place things, yeah, I would say that for sure, making sure that I have income coming in, uh, making sure I'm not being taken advantage of in terms of like bookings mm-hmm. and such, those are important things now because I'm paying my bills and I'm helping support my family through professional wrestling. So absolutely, um, it just I look at it as a job, and yeah, I am more relaxed because I've been one of hopefully at this point, 15, 16 years in professional wrestling you would think that like i'm used to this stuff at this at, at this point um and that's part of it but also yeah just the maturity of, of doing this for a living for the past couple of years and uh just learning to be a professional uh, you know that's that's the main yeah. thing larry please yes uh i'm cu- curious about your team with drake they're sort of yeah. like visually an odd coupling but obviously there's great chemistry there um, how did that come about, and what's it like teaming with Drake on a regular basis? Yeah, so um, the team with Drake, uh, it came about basically, I had done some Evolve stuff, uh, just some kind of one-off things here and there, like I was on some weekends and, and stuff, and we were doing at the time, uh, the Flow Slam thing was happening with Evolve, and so they had like all these different shows, they had Style Battle, which was like the monthly tournament they were doing where they just brought, you know, just random guys in and had them kind of showcase their stuff. Uh, I was pretty much doing those every single one of them. Um, and then Drake came in for one or two of them. Then he also came in for an FIP. And so, uh, you know, Gabe liked him. And when we came to, uh, when Evolve came to North Carolina, they wanted to use the local guys. So they wanted to use Drake and I. And they randomly just decided, hey, we're going to put you guys in a team together and we're going to do it for the Evolve Tag Team Championships. Um, and so the team was born that night. We'd never teamed before ever. We were kind of social together. We weren't like best friends or anything, but we were friendly. And uh, yeah, and then, it, then it became, hey, you, you guys are uh, we're winning the Evolve Tag Team Championships. And it got over so well um, that night and with the crowd and everything that it kind of just became a thing. And then, so we kept the titles for a while and we were just teaming and um, we're like, yo, let's take advantage of this. Uh, we're doing it. We're doing it at evolve and there's a lot of eyes on us. So it's to me, I feel like it's uh, sometimes better um, to do things as a tag team because there's so many singles guys out there that it's hard to, you know, catch the eye of everyone and get buzzed about yeah. you. And I think maybe sometimes, Maybe sometimes it's easier to do that as a tag team. And so, we, uh, yeah, we just kind of embarked on this little journey, and, you know, we're, we're still going strong, and so it, it's been fun. Uh, 
I want to back up for a sec to a little earlier in your career, PWX. It's mind-boggling to me, the the guys you defeated in PWX. How, you know, it seems like that played a pivotal role in your career. Your thoughts? Oh, yeah, for sure. Also, I, I, I do give a lot to uh, PWX as well because they were kind of the, I think, the first company that, you know, took me and was like, okay, we're going to give you the ball and we're going to see what you can do with it. And I was uh, lucky enough to get in the ring with so many different guys. Like, you know, I had some crazy matches with guys like uh, Tomasa Ciampa, Sammy Callahan, mm-hmm. and uh, Roderick Strong. I was in there with Zack Sabre Jr., um, David Starr, and there's a bunch of others that I probably am forgetting. But um, that alone, I think, helped me build confidence it helped me realize that, you know, I can get in the ring with, with guys that were uh, of that caliber and I could hold my own. And also I think confidence is from a standpoint of, Hey, maybe there is something to this wrestling thing because this company sees this in me. And if they think I'm a star, you know what I mean? Then, then uh, maybe I can do that everywhere. So definitely, definitely a pivotal played a pivotal role in where I'm at now. Steve, anything you want to ask before we get to the... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, believe it, believe it. Phoenix City. So, this is going to sound... This is a crazy question, of course. Okay. So, Larry said he would love to see you win it. But he he wouldn't give me a prediction of who he thought would win it. But he said he would love to see you win it. And I asked Larry why, but then we sort of talked about other things. I know you would love to win it. Why do you think you should win it? Like, what, what, why do you think you deserve it? I mean, you've got a, a ton of guys, and they're great performers. You've got Slim J, you've got Lynch. I mean, all these guys are great wrestlers. What's your case for winning this thing? And you can answer that any way you want, uh, but I'm curious. Okay. Like, I'm if you had to, to make an careful. argument to, like, as a fan, or like, this is why Anthony Henry should win. Why should Anthony Henry win this thing? Yeah, like I'm trying to be careful on how I answer this, just because. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't want to come. I don't want to come from the perspective of, uh, you know, uh, professional wrestler kayfabe. I, I'm gonna go at at it from this point. Is that I honestly feel like if I was going to win it, that the second year I was in it would have been the year for me. Um, mm. Simply because I feel like that was where I had the most to gain out of becoming the winner of the tournament. I feel mm. like buzz wise, I feel like that would have been the year. And that was the year Chris hero was in it. And, um, you know, I was in the finals and, uh, Gunner won. Um, if there was going to be a year, I feel like that would have been the year. Um, at this point, uh, in my career, I'm not saying that I'm bigger than it, but I do think that there are other guys who would possibly benefit more, uh, from winning the entire thing and having people talk about that. And I'm okay with that because I'm at a point in my career, like where I don't mind sharing, you know, the, the success because that's what I think, you know, is lacking a little bit. And, uh, so yeah, I feel like there are other guys who could possibly benefit more in terms of getting, getting buzz and things like that from it. If I was going to win it, if there is a reason for me to win it, I would say because, the Cynic City is kind of um, – it's it's one of those things. When you think Cynic City, I do kind of feel like you, you think Anthony Henry. 
And I think that mm. because I've been uh, involved in several moments and, and matches that just stand out every year. And uh, that being the case, when you look at standout guys from the tournament, you think me, you think Joey Lynch and Jimmy Rave, and there's others. Um, but that would be my reason. If I was going to win this year, that would be my reason that I should win. Nice. Well, Great answer. It, it, Almost, almost like a legacy, I guess you would say, or whatever, uh, uh, from from that standpoint. Almost like, you know, finally you actually did it. Because I do feel like also the Cynic City is um, another thing that um, helped me to some degree get to where I'm at. So winning it would be kind of a cool thing, a uh, notch on the belt to be like, hey, you know, finally this tournament that, you know, helped me out so much, I was finally, I did it and I finally won it. So that I guess that'd be a an amendment to that or whatever you want to call it, uh, the secondary reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought your the night one match in 2015 with Jimmy Ray, that was a breakout match for you. Um, that was a, sure. that was a tremendous match. Uh, so if presuming you don't win, who would you like to see win this year? Um, I think a guy like Slim J man. And, and I say that hmm. because, uh, Slim J is so good. And, Obviously, he's been doing it as long as I have, and and the fact that he's not out there on a larger scale is mind-boggling. I mean, there's reasons behind it, and obviously, you know, everybody knows that, but uh, um, I feel like it could benefit him a lot. I, I don't think it's going to make or break him, but I think it could help him, and I would like to see uh, Slim J take it if, if I had to pick somebody other than myself, of course. Okay. And and Anthony, all this maturity is making me sick. So I <laughs> your answers are are so honest and they're phenomenal. But Anthony Henry, when I think Anthony Henry, I think Anthony Henry as a guy who who kind of hates things too. And while I'm glad that you're this guy now, and it does my heart good, and, like, behind the scenes, I mean, I might as well say it. Like, there's been more than one time that I've sort of messaged you privately just to say, like, fuck, dude, like, you're doing so great. <laughs> and, there's, and, and, yeah. and I did that for no other reason than, like, fuck, man. Like, it's just so great to see the good guys win. I guess it's just the simplest way to put it. But... Uh, do you got a pet peeve about wrestling? God knows I have about 87, right? Oh, so is man. there something, because um, now you're, you're out and about. You're wrestling all over the place. Is there something that's just sort of like sticking in your craw about wrestling right now that you would hope that if you had the power to change it, you would change it? What is that? Sure. And, and just to, as a side note, the the Anthony Henry that hates everything it's still there like <laughs> if you're around me long enough you know that 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 you know Drake is around me and he he knows like people think assume that Drake's the one you got to worry about really it's me because I got a temper and I can kind of go off sometimes but uh, I'm glad that at least you're you're seeing that the maturity is also there and it's kind of taken over a lot of those elements because. You know, uh, I, it was bad at one point, but uh, okay. So, uh, as far as pet peeves go, <laughs> as far as pet peeves go, um, I feel like um, number one, I feel like wrestling is, and it's subjective, but I feel like man, there needs to be like more realism in wrestling. Like, I feel like there's so many guys that are kind of carbon copies of each other 
you know, everybody wants to do the next Rana and flip and, you know, and, and, and whatever high spot. And that's cool and all because I, I think, I, I mean, it's cool, but I think, like, guys going to professional wrestling matches a lot of times these days thinking that they want to get the popcorn uh, pop, right? So they want uh, that, you know, oh, action scene, all right, that was cool, as opposed to getting, like, a really emotional response or a real a pop that is genuine, you know what I mean? Because, like, you see a Canadian yeah. destroyer or you see a reverse Rana or whatever new innovative move, yes, of course, you're going to get that, oh, that gasp, that reaction, that car wreck reaction, because that's what you're looking at, essentially. But I think it's a much bigger deal, and I personally think that it means a whole lot more to me if I get that reaction after the fact. Like, genuinely, I get a reaction. Like, I'd much rather fans chant, that was awesome, than this is awesome. Meaning that after the match, if they were like, you know, that was awesome. After seeing the entire thing, seeing the match yeah. in its entirety, and and that's how they feel about it, then that's cooler to mm-hmm. me than I, I just did this cool brain buster and like now I get a this is awesome chant. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. I I think that's that speaks to sort of the mentality of modern society, which is I was talking to somebody about how I I feel it's a tragedy that people don't listen to albums anymore that it's all about picking out the song that you like and then right. maybe mixing together different individual songs you like. But because concept albums, every album was a concept album, right? It was supposed to be you listen to their entire body of work, like 12 songs or whatever, and they all kind of work together, and it was supposed to take you on a journey and a trip. And a match should do the same thing. And I love what you said about I'd rather have them – experience the whole thing and then look back and just go like that, that whole thing was an awesome experience. Cause it's so much more complicated and nuanced sure. instead yeah. of look at the, look at the, like, like it's the Michael Bay effect, right? That was an explosion. So let's just say, okay, <laughs> if, if I, and it depends on the crowd, but lar- large and okay. If if I go into a show and I know it's a semi-smart crowd, I can structure a match to the point where I know where they're going to react. And I know what spots to do to make them react. And that's almost, like, easy. You know what I mean? Like, that's almost like mm-hmm. I can – and I know I could do that because I've, I've wrestled in enough of these smart crowds. I know, like, the easy thing to do is to go out there and do this crazy four-way down or whatever where it's a pop, 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 and the crowd sees that, and then we're all down, and that's when they're going to go – you know, and they're going to stand up and they're going to react. We could do that. But I am, as an artist, I am much more intrigued and uh, into the concept of, all right, so how are we going to do this nuanced story? You know, like, how are we going to get a genuine reaction and um, have the people actually reacting off of the details that we're placing here? I would, like I said, I'd much rather that be the case. And I think, like, because of, the the way that uh, professional wrestlers think a lot of times, most professional wrestlers think now, it never comes off as a fight, and it never comes off um, genuine because of that. So it's very, very pro, pro, pro wrestling. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying it is, but I just think there should be more realism placed in the wrestling and more emphasis placed on uh, making this 
look like a fight, making this look like something where people can be like, all right, this like this is genuine. Here, here. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Anthony, I, I hate to cut you off. This has been tremendous, but Phoenix City this weekend, it's a whole bunch of events. I didn't know they were having a goddamn cake eating contest as part of this thing. I'm why the, cake. Why, I'm not in why, contest, why I'm wouldn't you cake. tell me about that? I would have promoted the fuck out of that too. But <laughs> best of luck, man. You and Lynch are gonna obviously tear it up. I, I think I think I would love it. What I want for Scenic City is for people to not only look at your match or matches, but the but the entirety of night one and the entirety of night two, and my hope is that they'll look back at the whole thing and say this is awesome. I think that's a great All goal to have. Thank you so much, man. We'll definitely have you on again and talk about all Appreciate the other places you're wrestling. Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Sure. Awesome. Hey, uh, great guest. Right before, yes, sir. right before we bring Jerry on, uh, I you probably already know, but they've added a Thursday night show to this year's Scenic City. Crux Wrestling is putting one on at the TWE Arena in Chattanooga, and guess Woo. what's on the show? Intergender Warfare, Trip Cassidy oh. versus Shotzi Blackheart. He's got to have a good what six, seventy, eighty pounds, and more than that. I'm Shotzi Blackheart. She's she's a rather slight woman. So here we go again. Let's see how they. <laughs> see yeah, how they we, I mean, we know how much we know how much Tank loves intergender wrestling, so that ought to go. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I can't wait for the next guest. I hated cutting Anthony Henry off a little bit, but this next guest, Larry. I mean, come on. Yep. I I said to him when we talked on the phone. I said I should have been sitting down when I got the call from this guy because he has not been heard from in the wrestling world in Georgia for a while. But um, he certainly made quite a splash and was uh, quite an important figure when he was the promoter owner of NWA Anarchy. And we're um, thrilled to welcome him to the tipping point. Jerry Palmer, welcome to the show. Thanks, Larry. And who's that with you? Who'd you say was with you? Stephen Platinum, <laughs> damn you, damn you, Palmer! <laughs> oh my God! I, I, you know, other than me being under the water for so long, I was like, Larry told me you're doing the show with my. And I think we had the same response. I cannot wait to hear this. I cannot wait to be a part of this. But hey, before we start, I want to tell you something. Yes, I, sir. I almost had tears in my eyes literally listening to your first guest. Yeah. My God, to watch him mature. And I got an idea already on the the biggest heel in the business. If you could live do his interview again live, and when he is showing so much professionalism and so much concern and so much true heart for this sport and its well-being, have somebody beat his brains out, and you got you a heel that lasts a lifetime. <laughs> I mean, my God, the kid's. I mean, his maturity is is off the chain, and I mean, I, I, I it just makes you proud to to uh, listen to him and to and to know where he's come from, and to see basically what what we've left pro wrestling in the hands of. We've left yeah. in the hands of guys like that. We're okay. I mean, we're you know that's a that's a hell of a lead to follow. He's not. He's uh. Well, he should be put on a pedestal, and more people like him. I mean, that uh, you know, any any young guys out there listening to this and heard his interview, that's where you want to get to. 
where that where Anthony Henry is right now is where you want to get to. If you can get to that, everything else will follow. That that was impressive. Yes, sir. I heard the last twenty minutes and and I couldn't be proud of what I heard and, and to have been even the smallest part and, and to get to share share some of his career. That that was that was so cool, man. I, I miss I miss the guys like him. I really do. Well, Jerry, so it must give you a good feeling when you think of the, uh, the 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 guys like the Anthony Henrys, the Xavier Woods, the Stephen Walters um, that came through Word Anarchy during your time there and where they are now. You know. Oh, it's it's uh, like I said. I mean, you know, uh, you know, life caused me to change my path a little bit, and so I didn't I didn't really walk out on wrestling. I eased out of it. You know, left anarchy in good hands, um, and it was life. It was. It certainly was not a want of getting away from pro wrestling because I, you know, I've been uh, the day after tomorrow marks thirty years. I've been in one fire department, and and that wow. the the brotherhood is the same. Yeah, I'm getting old. Trust me, I feel that thirty years too. But <laughs> that brotherhood, you know, that brotherhood you, that everybody hears about. In, in public safety and in fire service, law enforcement, military, nowhere is it more prevalent in the respect issue and the brotherhood and sisterhood is nowhere is that more prevalent than in a good professional wrestling atmosphere. And a good, even a mediocre locker room has that same respect, that same brotherhood, because, you know, to be successful, I did figure this much out. To, to be successful as a pro wrestler, I mean, take AJ Styles, for example. Yeah. You can beat him in a 20-minute match. You can beat him for 19 minutes, and he will make you look like a million-dollar bill. But in that 19th minute, he's going to show you why they call him the phenomenal one. <laughs> Everybody wins. It's, it's not what you can do for yourself. It's what you can do for that other guy. Making that other guy look good is what makes you look the best. And that is a weird, weird, weird business model. <laughs> but the yeah. guys that get it, like your Anthony Henry, like Slim J, like Tank Bird, like Jeff Bailey, those guys and guys like that, they get it. Um, your, your Todd Sexton, your, your Bill Barons, these people get it. They know it. And that's why they're this, you know, and success is measured by several different sticks. I mean, you know, not everybody's going to make it to WWE. Not everybody's going to make it to a big regional promotion. I said, I like. Well, you know, Gary, what do you, what do you, going back to anarchy for a sec, you, now it's kind of come. They're going to come. It, it's come full circle, yeah. you know. With Rick, Rick Michaels was the first owner, and um, yep. You know, if we could run down the lineage here for a second, tell me if this is if this is right. It went from Rick and Steve Martin to Bill Barons, then back to Rick yes. Michaels, then to you, yes, then to Franklin yes. Dove, then to Charles That's Anschutz, right. then yep. to Danny Only, and then <laughs> back to Rick. That's right. Let me cut you. Let me let me cut you off there, so we don't have any rumors. No, I'm not fixing to step back in this. Uh, I do watch <laughs> it from a distance because you you never, you know, you, 
I learned this about wrestling. You can leave all you want. You can walk away all you want, but you're never out of that. You're, and, and again, it goes back <laughs> to the brotherhood. You're, you're never away from loving. I mean, I fell in love with it. I fell in love. I, I grew up watching pro wrestling, okay, um, as a kid in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Loved it. I would get so mad. I would cry. I would I would throw things. Um, you know, you didn't stand in front of the TV at 12 noon on Saturday when Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling was going on. Um, just some – I loved it. And so when I got – you know, and then I smartened up as I got a little older. Now, it took a little shine off of it for me, but it was part of being older. But then to see how that all transpires – was what made me fall in love with it. And I knew nothing about pro wrestling from that aspect, but I did know what I liked, and I did from from other business avenues. I knew one of the most important things that was that was really important for me right out of the gate was to find and surround myself with people that know what in the hell they're talking about and that can guide you and that can pull your leash every now and then and say, no, nah, boss, we're not doing that. And, you know, and it's funny, I mean, one, one of the guys, and of course, you got Bill. But I mean, I owe so much to Bill Barron's. Um, people always have mixed opinions about him. But as pro wrestling goes, so goes Bill Barron's, or maybe the other way around. As Bill Barron's goes, a lot of times pro wrestlers' careers can go because he knows. He knows these things. And he was such a mentor to me. But I tell you, funny, I, I mean, one of the guys that, you know, i got so many. I mean, I'm talking about the guys that will – hopefully will carry me to the grave when it's all over. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these are, mm-hmm. this is how I feel about a bunch of these guys in the locker room. I mean, Berg, Tank, Allen. I mean, my gosh, I, I, could, I could, it's going to, I'm going to have to have a big casket because I got to have a lot of room around there for these guys to be a part of it. <laughs> but one guy I didn't like, I just, I didn't like him. I was scared of him. I was, I was like, boy, this guy looks like a damn pistol with a shot with a hair trigger. And and turns out he was one of my you know, turns out to be one of my best friends that I'll ever have in this world and I learned so much from him, that's Bailey. I didn't like yeah. Jeff Bailey the first couple of nights I was in the arena. Because he's he's a little bit raw, I think, you know. He he got a little he he tells it like it is and sometimes you don't hear it like it is. But that was a success for us. I took the local end of it and and use the connections that I had to get people pumped up about some good 60s, 70s, and 80s pro wrestling. And I finally was able to be at least smart enough for a little while to let the guys that knew how to build the pro wrestling end of it build it. And, and that was purely the success. And then, you know, then you leave Bill and Todd and Jeff, JJ and Greg alone for a little while, and Dragon, leave them alone for a little while. They'll get you there. All you got to do is run the front, and and it, it was cool. I mean, I, I you know, of course we pulled the, the 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 I don't know the match of all time to get a, a promotion on the map when we had hostile environment. And, you know, it was carried out there in ambulances, and I mean that was uh, that put us on the map and that set us in the right direction. But that ball was bouncing way before that by surrounding yourself. And, and this is just a piece of advice to any promoter. You know, it looks easy. You get you a building, sell you some Cokes and popcorn, get you a few wrestlers, and just beat each other's brains out. Uh, yeah, anybody can do it, and we've seen that. We, yeah. uh, you know, you ask, you ask Anthony what a pet peeve is. That's mine. 
that any jackass out there, and some of them are still running shows, but any jackass out there can just get them a ring, get them a building, sucker 30 people into coming in there and promise them that their son can wrestle or promise them that, you know, their their daughter can be a valet at, at five foot two sixty five. You you have all this all this shit that goes on like that, and anybody can be a promoter. That is not true. Platinum can tell you that's not not true. The Von Erics can tell you that's not true. Bill Barons can certainly tell you that's not true, and I can tell you for a fact that is not true. That that is anybody that's out there thinking they're fixing to sink even a dollar into trying to run a pro wrestling promotion, save your money if you don't understand that it's not just showing up. It's not just showing up. You may get away with it one show, but that'll be it. Um, And and it ruins it for everybody. It really does. One bad promotion really ruins it for everybody. You know, Jerry, (laughs) no, no. Like, you know, Jerry, you're not, you're not on Facebook, correct? You're not really part of this like whole social media BS thing. I've got a Facebook character. I've got a Facebook character that (laughs) if I were to send you a friend request, you would drop dead laughing and know it was me. But I just do it to, uh, I don't know, stalk. <laughs> no, I just do it to <laughs> <what I'm doing. laughs> No, I'm not a Facebooker. <laughs> but, like, I mean, you know, if Larry needed to be told to sit down before he, it was you saying that you wanted to come on the show, Larry yeah. needed to tell me to sit down before he told me. <laughs> I'm curious what – what was your what was your impetus to to want to be on the show? I, I mean, okay. you know, like was was there something that you really wanted to talk? Because I want to make sure you have your forum to speak, please. Well, no, and it was this is it, it kind of went bam bam in about an hour's time. Uh, I was on vacation last week, and Jacob Ashworth showed up down there. His him and his family were in the same spot. We got together. We sit around. We start talking stuff, and we don't get a chance to talk a lot. And I said, well, tell me what's going on. And, and he starts telling me these things. And I'm like, no way. Oh, that's cool. And I said, I'm going to call somebody and give him a hard time. He said, who are you going to call? I said, call Larry Goodman because some of this stuff, he should at least drop me an email and say, hey, you got to hear what's going on. You know, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the new promotion out of Canton. Once again, we visit Canton, Georgia. Um, the new promotion out of there. And, you know, he tells me a lot of the stuff at Southern Fried, which is just what an incredible tribute to Charles Anschultz. And, and what, a, what a testament to, evidently, uh, according to Todd and to Jacob, I've got a twin brother running Southern Fried. So, um, you know, but, but, the, but these things are, you know, and I, so I call Larry just to give him a rash of shit for not, you know, why, somebody should be texting me or calling me and say, hey, I'm tell you about this. <laughs> So, so I called him. So I called him to give him a rash of shit, and then he calls me back, and he's like, "That's wild." And then he brought that up, and I said, "Absolutely." I said, "What? How much fun would this be?" And then he then he throws it on there that you're the co-host, and I'm like, "Holy shit! I can't go wrong. I mean, I just can't go wrong with this. This is a match made in heaven." So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was a little put back, and maybe y'all can bring me up to speed. Tell me a little yeah. bit about this. Um, the promotion in Canton. What's the what's the controversy about? What's the controversy going on? I know controversy creates 
popularity sometimes, but I was a little bit, I don't know, skeptical about the kind of attention that's wanting to be attracted here. So you got, you've got Southern Honor run by Gary Lamb, who I'm sure you've okay. had to hear comparisons between you and Gary Lamb. I think both I, of I you are guys. I heard that Ace made a, made a, uh, a comment in a positive manner about it. But then on the flip side, I heard that he's, he's pushing something that I, I'm not sure how he's pushing. It's a very delicate situation. So, so, all right, so Gary Lamb, he and I have a lot in common. Yeah, you're both, you're both guys who really are. I mean, the joke is they call Gary Lamb the, the godfather of Canton, right? He's a guy who's, like, really wired yeah. into that town and very respected right. in that town and a very outspoken guy. All of these things are very right. similar to you, right? Like, you're, you're right. a guy who's right. legitimately in that community and a guy who's a promoter. Right. And I would say both of you, another thing that you have in common is you're both incredibly generous in completely different ways. Like, many, right. I've heard many a story about Jerry Palmer, like, when you guys would do shows out of town, how you'd hook the guys up with, like, a nice place to stay. And, you know, like, I've heard those yeah. stories so many times about you. And with Gary Lamb, he's a guy who gives a lot of guys a break, you know, like his booker and all right. this other stuff are guys that, they're kind of the Oakland Raiders, you know. <laughs> like, <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> you know, they're just, and uh, so, yeah, that's what's going on there. And then GPW, which was Woody's, old promotion but a guy was running it called daryl morris and he, i mean yes. he's out now and basically part of the reason he's out is he kind of went up against gary lamb they're both running shows out of canton and gary lamb just really put the screws to him i mean you know they had a show where they drew a thousand and that kind of thing wow so. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, so if uh, I could, I mean, if I was, could uh, throw something in here yeah. on that, I mean, you're, you're, you and Gary are yeah. similar in your being, you know, men of the people for your particular areas that you that you that where right. you promoted in the Cornelia where he does, but the evolution of uh, social media, uh, that's where you, where you're different. Where he he likes to use social media to be provocative, and uh, stir the pot, and I, you know, it seems to me that was not. Huh. Something that was not how the way so? you approach that, things. No, how how what's he what's he which pot is he stirring? Because I think that well, was the info I got that kind of shocked me. And which pot he, hasn't he, he kind of goes. Yeah, I was going to say what pot hasn't he stirred. He kind of goes after everybody, uh, you know. And I'm sure Jacob brought him up because at one point he went after Jacob. He certainly go went after Daryl Morris and GPW and Canton a crap ton. Yeah. You know, I, I wrote a right. thing about him. I wrote a thing about the end of that thousand draw, that show where they drew a thousand. I kind of crapped yeah. all over the finish with because the, they had like Jericho and Kenny Omega, and I thought they completely wasted it and blew it. So that was one of the right. first things that I had put out in a long time. So you know, um, so yeah, like all that kind of. So basically, he's the guy who keeps his name and Southern Honor's name in on the tips of everybody's tongue. Uh, like, it's kind of undeniable. Like, everybody knows who they are. Everybody talks about them, good or bad. Like, here we, are talking about him on this, here we are talking about him yeah. on this podcast again. So, I mean, it's that, he's yeah. A, he's so. the quintessential promoter. I don't know if he, there's ever been anybody quite like him where he's a promoter by profession, and he just happens to have a wrestling promotion. But Bingo. he promotes for a living. He promotes these, like, big, huge, like, barbecue fests and all this kind of stuff. That's oh, what he okay. does for a living. Cool. So, Well, that's mm-hmm. right in his wheelhouse, then. 
Now, is he now was one of the two in Canton? Was one of them a preacher? One of them that's a him. That's Gary Lamb. That's Gary okay. Lamb. On top of all of it, he's okay. a he's a pastor. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, and there was I, I don't know if he went after the um, the gay community or something like that. There was I mean we talked about listen we talked about a lot of stuff, and so yeah. I, there was something along those lines, and I'm like you know. I don't. I don't recall I mean, anything about that. No, G- Gary. Actually, Gary Lem's the opposite. He's very progressive, okay. all things considered. Okay. So, well, and that's good because I, I mean, like I say, things like that, especially in this day and time, um, and what I've learned over the years. Now, look, I grew up in the deep south. I grew up in the hills of the deep south. So, um, it, it's to get to be progressive has been a long climb. But yeah. Um, you can't speaking. I mean, and let's just I mean, I, the white elephant in the room. You talk about gay wrestlers or gay anything, gay firefighters, gay whatever. There is no such thing. There is no such thing because they're a wrestler. Okay. Period. End of story. You're either a wrestler or you're not. Take Simon Sermon for instance. One. I, I have the utmost respect for this guy. I always have. He's always been a gentleman. I, you, you can't have this conversation without talking about him. You cannot. I mean, we couldn't open our mouth about this conversation without talking about him. He is a wrestler, period. End of story. There is no, you know, there is no breaking them down into, oh, he's a wrestler, but he's gay. No, he's a wrestler, end of story. And so if anybody, whether it's this guy or somebody you know, and it sounds like this guy likes to, and, and it is. Jeff told me a long time ago. I got mad at Larry on one of the first shows I ever done. Larry called out Jason Blackman and uh, and Vane on something they did that was a bonehead move, and I got pretty pissed off about it. And I think I emailed back. <laughs> go look, don't you know? I was a little bit pissed off. It wasn't terrible, but Jeff told me he said any publicity is publicity. If you don't like what was said, fix it. Well, in this day and time, I mean, we're talking about 13 years later. In this day and time, be careful of that. Don't, you know, don't stir that pot and don't do not. And if anybody, this guy seems to be very progressive and supportive of it, be progressive and supportive of him. Anybody that has the idea of getting on social media and going up against him and slandering him because he's progressive towards gay wrestlers and all, no, he's a damn promoter running a professional wrestling organization, and he is—he has professional wrestlers. I don't give a damn what their orientation is. I don't care which one of the LGBTQ they go fall under. They are professional wrestlers. If they're not professional wrestlers, get them out the door. But do it because they're not professional wrestlers. And don't attack the guy either. That that you talking about something that'll bring you down is the, is going out and saying, oh well, this Gary Lamb guy he he promotes gay wrestlers. No hell no he doesn't. Sounds like to me he's promoting good professional wrestling. Yeah. So when you stick your neck out there like he's doing and keeping the pot stirred, you may get he needs to know you may get a response that sets that lights your fuse. Call it the twelve hour rule. You might want to go for the 24-hour rule. Write the email you want to write. Write the post you want to write. Save it. Don't post it. 
wait 24 hours and go back and see if you're still that pissed off and, and then maybe post it. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you gotta, it, it's, it's wild. I mean, you know, the career I'm in now, we, you know, we have females, which is not, uh, it's not a new thing, but it's not a long standing thing either. And, and, you know, we have old school guys that, well, you know, got a girl going to pull me out of a burning building. No, no, sir, you don't. You've got a damn firefighter. They're either firefighters or they're not. Doesn't matter yeah. if she's the girl. Doesn't matter if it's if it's a little small kid going to pull my big fat butt out of there. Doesn't matter. They're firefighters or they're not. They're professional wrestlers or they're not. And so you know, I, I just um, I, it's glad I'm glad to hear these progresses. But live by the sword, die by the sword. If you keep attracting that kind of attention, you know, keep stirring the mess pot, you're going to get a few flies. So just understand that you may get a few flies in the ointment. Just keep driving. Put, and I told I told our guys this a hundred thousand times. Once I learned it myself. Now I, I will say I had to learn it myself, and luckily Larry <laughs> taught me. Bill taught me. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people taught me this. Worry about your own backyard. Don't worry about this other promotion. Don't worry about it. Just like he he evidently settled it. The guy and one other one of my pet peeves is somebody coming in the same town you've been running and run on the same night. That's kind yeah. of a dick move. Yeah. You know, back in the 70s, that would have got you a visit, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I still believe in that a little bit. So, um, it, just, you you handle you, you handle you and your promotion, and you put on a good product, and those fly-by-nighters, they'll disappear. They'll disappear well, just you- as quickly as they arrive. You know, it's interesting because, like, the last time we were all on the podcast together, this was years ago, was when OSWA was a new thing. So you came in to sort of speak on them. And, I mean, and while they're still still around, from all reports, they do, like, one show a month. Nobody goes. Like, all the – you know, Clint Eller and the other guys who helped found it are all gone. And basically it's just Bobby Popham screaming at a bunch of kids. Like, that's what the show is now. And, and it's been around long enough that the people that go, they were the – what I spoke of early on, uh, you got people that they're promised, oh, your daughter can do – your daughter can be a valet or your son yeah. all can wrestle. And and w- what really gripes me about that is, number one, I, I disagree with how he done. I'm not trying to get no heat with Clint. He's We're good. I don't have no heat with anybody. I've been out of it too long. So right. but they – they ran that, but they've run it so long and done the same thing for so long. I mean, it's a friends and family show. Um, and, I mean, hats off to him. He still puts on a show once a month. But, you know, when Rick came back in, and this is a good segue, I guess, to our next part yeah. of this conversation that Larry and I had already Absolutely. talked about. When Rick came back in, I'm going to tell you, that was a whirlwind. Friday night shows again, which was a great idea. I mean, it was a, it's a farm system. It's a, that Friday night show business was a farm system, and then bringing Anarchy back in and putting putting that putting that Ray Rawls Rick Michaels attitude and tenacity back into the Church of Southern Wrestling was was great. And any thoughts anybody had of coming in there and running at least during that five six month time frame, you forget it. Nobody's going to yeah. with a ten foot pole. 
And and so look, my hat's off to Bobby Poffin. He's still running it. I did not even know Clinton, and we're not even there anymore. Um, don't know the story there, but but yeah, it's it, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I mean, if I'm if I want to come run a show and say, hey, I want to <clears throat> I want to come in and I want to do a because uh, I do, I want to do a Church of Southern Wrestling reunion show. That'd be my mm. final anything in wrestling, and I, I want to. So don't let nobody steal that, but I want to. Wow. Six months to a year and, and do a, you know, maybe do a two-night thing and put together some good stuff and invite, you know, a big family reunion. That's, that's what I'd like to see. But that being said, I certainly, wherever I would like to do this at, I would, like, I would go in if it was a territory, a quote, quote, unquote, a territory of someone, go, look, I want your schedule. Here's what I want to do. I use your guys, I'll, you know, because you want to you want to keep that respect that we talked about early. Mm-hmm. Wrestling, if it has nothing else in this world, is built on respect of each other. And and so to go in and say, hey man, I know you're running here. Here's what I'd like to do. I don't want it to mess up anything you got going on. I don't want it, you know, be cordial about it and be smart about it and. You know, that's the way I would rather see things done. And, you know, and that that was my peeve with OSWA. And, you know, they kind of came on top of Franklin and running the same nights and yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's it's not an – Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, um, but, yeah, I mean, Rick comes in and, and really locks it up. And, and I didn't hear nothing about OSWA for a while. And I did not – I didn't know the clinic uh, was not there anymore. But I'm not dying by it every day, and I, uh, I just uh, in Cornelia, if it's not happening at the church, I really don't know. It would have to make the newspaper for me to see it anyway. I mean, yeah. My wife tells me about some Facebook posts on some of the guys. You know, Mr. Garrison, one of our good fans, he he started going over there and helping out over there, and he, you know, just he does a lot of charity stuff and all, and, that, and that's cool. Um, so she would from time to time say, well, David Garrison is doing a benefit show with the OSWA guys. And, you know, I, I mean, and that's cool. Uh, everything has its place. And uh, just in my opinion, it's not in the Church of Southern Wrestling. Uh, it's uh, that's hallowed ground as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I know you're going to ask me about this. I, I, again, I yeah. and I hope he's listening tonight. Um I'm pretty sure Todd is, and um, but tell me about the tell me about this roller coaster that they call Anarchy Wrestling right now because, like I say, I get to see Jacob maybe once a month in passing. We actually had a chance to sit down, and I did not know so many people were uh, taking time off. Um, I knew that Dragon had pretty much hung it up. Uh, I knew yeah. you know, Jeff and I had talked, and I knew he had hung it up pretty much. And uh, yeah, so so where what, how's it standing right now? Well, to me, it's standing. They're they're still drawing around a hundred a show, and okay. to me, it's just that the um, the overall level of talent isn't what it was. Um, they're not really that. That's the main thing to me is that it's just the talent pool is shallower than it's typically had been at Anarchy. So right. they're still doing, you know, right. they they're still, um, you know, they got their hostile environment will be what week from Saturday. Um, it had to be, yeah, it had to be soon. Yeah. So 
That's that's the thing. That's the thing to me. It's sort of business as, as usual, but it's definitely cooled off from what it was when Rick first came back, and they had a real hot streak there running on the Friday nights, which are now gone, and really, you know, putting on some really really strong shows. Well, I, it's I, you know, and I, I'll say well, this. Go ahead, Steve. Oh no, I was going to say just to just for like sort of an anecdotal thing. Like so I put yeah. out these videos now uh constantly and they're getting more and more popular. And so part of the popular things I do is like top 10 lists. And so I put out a yeah. top 10 promotions that Georgia wrestling people want to work for. So not all of them were Georgia promotions, but I had Anarchy listed right. at as number 3, right? And there's a time where it right. would have been number 1 with a bullet, but it was still 3. I put it at 3. I have never right. got so much response of how could you put anarchy at three? I mean, I've, I would have never expected that reaction. The reaction was they should either be lower or not on the list at all. That's where anarchy is in the perception of a lot of people that they're no longer what they once were. Cause there's a time where yeah. if I put them at three. I would have had to hear how stupid I was to not have them at one or two. Yeah, and instead, okay. instead the reaction is, is, you're just saying three because of their reputation. Like it's, th- it's not real. And so that's the, I would say like, I, I put them behind Southern fried. I think the perception is there's a relationship there because Bill kind of helps out both shows. Todd certainly yeah. books for Southern fried Jacob, you yeah. know, who helped helped bring anarchy back up as a star is now a big start. Southern fried. The perception is yeah. I think out of the two that Southern fried is the stronger show. And I would have oh, never yeah. thought sure. that that would have ever been the case. Yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah. Well, and the good thing about that is it has, and you mentioned it, it, it does have the anarchy wild side roots to it in Southern Fridays. And, and, you know, all that points back to, if you really look at it, and, and this is not a jab at Rick. Uh, he knows he can call me any day, anytime. I'll help him do whatever he needs. But there, what's missing there? You got Bill and Todd and the same little core group of people at Anarchy. You had them there. And then you had the same core group going to Southern Fried. What's missing in the successful program? Two different promoters. Rick's not, mm. at, Rick's not at Southern Fried. So you have to look, and I know it's a crappy way to have to look at it, but you have to look that the difference is is in the promotion. Now, I'm not saying overall because I'm telling you, when he came back on the scene, he got his baby back. Holy cow. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just a couple of weeks. He was putting asses in seats and and just impressive. And man. fixed I mean, the man, building I so up. I mean, he, yeah, he fixed that building up again. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I know that's a personal thing for you, Jerry, that he, I mean, Dan, I mean, let's just put a fine point on it. Danny left that place in shambles in every which way Danny, he could. Danny, I love Danny to death. I like Danny, but he raped my building. <laughs> like physically and emotionally raped my building. And, and yeah. Rick had a lot of work to do, and he did it. You know, he put his own money and, and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely fantastic job doing it. Absolutely, he he did, and and here's what I'll say. Maybe you know, like I said, I, I I may get a text from, I may get a, I may get an awful text from him, but here's what I think. And Larry and I talked about this, and he doesn't disagree, and nobody I tell this to disagrees with it. There are two guys you're dealing with when you're dealing with Rick. You're dealing with Ray Rawls, okay? Just the sheep here, Ray Rawls. 
finest guy on the planet. Give you his shirt off his back. We'll help you, teach you. We'll school you in wrestling. We'll we'll tell you and and do anything he can to help you. And then you've got Rick Michaels, who is a maniacal, self-centered, original, chosen one. Seen it. I mean, you go to wrestlers of all time. Yeah. I if I had to bet. Now I'm I'm certainly not a wrestling historian like you guys, but if I had to bet, the the best wrestlers of all time, and there's always going to be some exceptions, but I'll bet you their best attribute was that they could separate Ray Rawls from Rick Michaels. Ray Rawls yeah. is a hell of a businessman. But I think when it all comes down to it, I think, and I call it, I, I, I call it like this, it's self-destructive. I, I think it's purposeful self-destruction. I think he's scared. He gets the taste of success back, and it reminds him of the old glory days. And I think, in my opinion, I think he gets scared that, hey, he's going to, I'm going to lose it again. So instead of losing it, I'm just going to tear it up, you know. I mean, if I can't have it, nobody else is going to have it and that kind of thing. And I think if he ever gets past that, I I think he can put it back on the map and keep it there. There's no reason why one week you go see a packed house at at Cornelia and the next week you go down and see a packed house in in Monroe. There should be no reason why because it's a good system. So I don't know. I mean, and and that's just my opinion, and and that's not a jab at Rick at all. That's part of life, and he has a strong, strong, strong character. Rick Michaels is a strong individual, and he was when he first came up with the character, and it still is today. We we don't people don't age very kindly. We don't age very nice, <laughs> you know. We you know we we do all these things to not put the age on us, but you know. And maybe that's the key. I, I, I don't know. And, and I hope that if he's looking for a key, maybe that's it. Because he's got plenty of people that that want, that want were being a part, an integral part of, of the reconstruction out there. Of, and he brought it back. He had the Friday nights going, the Saturday nights going. He had, oh, my goodness. It, what I was hearing was just insane. I was like, that's awesome. You know, it's come full circle. He's got it back. He got his life straightened up. Bam, bam, bam. He's back in the saddle. He's doing good. Well, then it's kind of taking a dip, and it's not the average pro wrestling dip. You know, I mean, it, it dips from it dips during the summertime. This is not an average dip. This is this is a management issue. And I, and then I, on the I, flip I, side, you got Todd who is booking an absolute masterpiece, and he is you know he's he's come on his own. I mean he's I mean look at what Todd's accomplished. And look at Bill. There's Bill again. I told you before, and I, I say this to anybody that listen. As Bill Barron goes, so goes professional wrestling in Georgia, if it's a top promotion. Now, Todd's doing his own thing down there, but but Bill's still there. and and But Todd's doing the booking, and he's done a fantastic job. He did a fantastic job for me, and he's he has he's come of his own. And you know, I, I think it's I think it's great what they're doing, and I, I I could not be happier for 
any of them. I mean, and the promoter down there, the only thing he needs to realize is realize how fortunate you are that you've got these guys that the the locker room that you've got and the two or three guys that are managing that locker room. That is so key. Uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's irreplaceable. I mean, so, but I hope they keep doing great, man. I really do. I, I mean, I, I, again, it's one of those pride things for me. It still has a connection back to my building. You know, it, it's still, Todd's one of my guys. He's, he's one of my best friends on this planet. Bill is, is you know, I, I call him drunk uncle Bill, even though the man don't drink a drop. You know, he's like that old drunk uncle at the damn reunion. He, t- he, he's aggravating. He's not from here. He uh, he he'll put you in your place in half a second. But that man has done more for me than uh, you would have thought. We were we were close relation family, and I'll, I'll forever be grateful for Bill Barons for what he's done. And and so, after saying I he mean, was I done with booking, after saying he was done with booking, it was over for him. Here he is back in there. He wound up by hook or by crook. He wound up getting roped back into it. And there he is back at Anarchy. Booking again, you know, we're almost out of time, but I did want to mention that I think there was yeah. a business decision in the um, evolution of things at Anarchy after Rick came back that I think was, in hindsight, probably was not a good thing. Is They ran an awful lot of shows out of there, not only Anarchy shows yeah. and Friday night shows, other promotions coming in, and I think it was yeah. just too many shows, just too many shows. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's, but, you know, on, on the from Rick's standpoint, and I get it, he was uh, he was utilizing that building six nights a month, and sometimes seven yeah. or eight, you know, and 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 it's certainly something for him to look at. But the one thing I'd encourage him to do: don't get discouraged. Try it. Take try whatever you like to try. Then analyze it. Be honest with yourself. Ask for people who know. Ask for their opinion. Take all that into consideration because you're the man paying the bills at the end of the night. Take all their advice into consideration and decide, do you want to keep that path? Or would it need to alter it a little bit? you gotta be you got to be able to adapt and be able to change on a moment's notice. I mean, it's, you know, it'd be nice to call the whole thing, but sometimes you got to shoot it from the fly. So um, I, I, just, I just like to see him get back on his horse, get his, get his collective shit back together, get the crew he needs there. People want to come there. Wrestlers want to come there. And, and you know, Stephen, if you rank, you rank current shows, rank the reputa- rank the bit venues. I mean, there's yeah. another venue in Georgia to talk about. You know, uh, but, Jerry, I think that's part of the problem is that wrestlers don't so much want to go there anymore. I mean, well, I, I, you I know, I'm, there's that. guys they that do, do but, but it's, they don't want right this minute. Well, okay, true. right. Point, point. Well, I would I agree. I, I, I think. I mean, I'll tell you, if they did a Church of Southern Wrestling reunion show, oh, they, they'd <laughs> want to be back. I mean, I'll, I'll say that. I, I, like as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, that's, right, that's incredibly let's, exciting. Let's get, this, let's get this out publicly. This is my. That is my baby. That's my retirement baby. So. Sometime over the next year to 18 months, please nobody out there try to slip in behind me. And all you uh, Church of Southern Wrestling performers, old and young, please don't sign up with anybody else because I'll bring the right crew in. We'll do it one time, one shot, only two nights. Come see all your ex, you know, all your former stars, and we'll all get. 
Yeah, I might not have said that just yet, but I think it'd be great. I mean, that, it's just a dream, you know. Um, that, that promotion, that's yeah. right now. <laughs> I'd be glad to come help a show out. I'm definitely going to get some, I got to find some time to get down to Monroe, and I want to see that locker room. I want to meet this new promoter. Uh, Todd said we're twin brothers, so I don't know, and I've never met the guy, but he's got a similar background, so maybe pretty cool. Cool. Well, Jerry, thanks thanks a bunch for uh, hey, doing man. this tonight. Really appreciate it. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. And uh, again, thanks for what you guys do. I mean, you, you keep it you keep it alive and you keep a fire lit under it, and that's uh, that's the most important thing we can have. Is well, if you draw attention to it and people go to good quality shows where the locker room they're performing 150 percent in front of three people or three thousand. And, I, you know, that it doesn't work without you either. And uh, I can't tell you the influence you've had on, on my time as a promoter and the influence that you, you had on me as a person. Uh, I don't regret I, – I, I do some days regret walking away. But, again, you, you can – like Bill, you can leave. I, you know, you can get up from the poker table. But the doors are locked. <laughs> 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 Your ass is hung for a lifetime, and so, um, but it's not possible without you guys keeping it alive. And um, you know, for any would-be promoter, uh, respect. My God, have respect for each other. There's plenty of good wrestling fans out there for a bunch of shows in Georgia. Just don't, and there's plenty of room. Don't step on each other's feet. Um, and to Anthony Henry, what a great interview, man. I, I, the maturity, Steve, you brought it up. The maturity is just it's, it's unbelievable. And like you said, it's almost nauseating. <laughs> 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 but, but I'm proud of everybody that, that, that we've had a part of and you guys have a part of. And it's, uh, it's part of my life. I would never give up. And, uh, We'll never look back on anything except happiness and, and positive thoughts. Even though, even when I had heat with people, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Hey guys, well, thank you, Jerry. Yes, Listen, sir. We're running each other. All right, y'all take care. You too. Thanks, man. All right, buddy. Take care. See you. Bye. Awesome stuff. A big night, Larry. Uh, you know, Anthony Henry, Jerry Palmer. Uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned in a video recently that Tipping Point is a very different thing than it used to be. I mean, yes, it's yeah, always been that. interviews, but but yeah. but now it, it's really just focused on the personalities of the people and just talking because we're we're not at a point where we have to gimmick the show up. It just really is. Here are the people who are movers and shakers, or here are the people that you should get to know that you probably don't know, like Ruthless Lala. I mean, I've gotten more response from the Ruthless Lala interview, yeah, yeah, and it's great. Some, some have said that was the interview of the year, but, uh, you know, I do miss the Eric Embry, though, and some of the other c- commercials we did. Those, those were fun. They, they, they did have their place. <laughs> Not that we did. Larry, but, uh, for, you, for you, for you. And I'm calling this. I'm calling my shot. Next tipping point, either Eric Embry or the commercials or both. 
We'll make it right. happen next tipping right. point. Just as just as a throwback. <laughs> but yes, but no, I mean it's it's great, and of course we got to go soon. But I, I, you know, seeing Anthony Henry um, handle, I mean, he's been making his living from wrestling for two years. And uh, again, the the boys often are misguided with who they emulate or who they want to be like. Isn't that what they should be aspiring to? I mean, that's why these interviews are so important. And Jerry Palmer too. I mean, that's a huge part of the history of that building. You know, when they, when they talk about hall of fames, they don't talk about Jerry Palmer. I think because in some ways he's so big in their mind's eye that they don't even notice him. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he was such an integral part of keeping that place going and promoting. And they did their biggest shows, did they not, under Jerry Palmer? Like where, I, I mean, they say, did the show. Yeah. Yeah, they went to Helen, they went to Gainesville. In terms of the bi- biggest attendance run was under the Jerry Helm, it was in the Jerry Palmer era, for sure. The yeah. first cup, those first few years is when it was at its hottest. So, yeah. Um, big so I wanted up, to put though. that out there because yes, please. No, I'm just saying we got now besides Scenic City, uh, Southern Fried's running and Peach State's running, and AWE's running on yep. Sunday. So it's a it's a big one. I uh, can't wait for this weekend. Um, of course, get out to those shows. Those are all shows that I have no problem endorsing. Whereas, you know, I'm I'm big on like, oh, these people that say so go support indie wrestling, screw you. But those are four shows I can get behind. You're going to be at Scenic City, that's for sure, right? Are you sure? Yep, yeah. I'm sure Rod, Rob, Robbie, Rod is going to be at um, Scenic City as well. It is the Scenic right. City weekend. Can't wait I to hear about it. I think he's doing the uh, crux on Thursday night as well up there, and I hope to do um, AWE on Sunday. So we're going to cover as much as we can. Dude, thank you guys so much for doing that. And thanks to our guests tonight, Anthony Henry and Jerry Palmer. This is Larry Goodman. I'm Stephen Platinum, and thank you for joining us on The Tipping Point. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.
I, I mean, I think that's a point that could be made to her without going into the specifics of the money. The amount of money is, is the amount of money is how rapidly that money is going to go in an assisted living scenario. Right. 